0: Amen. I'll ask you please to open your Bibles to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. And we'll commence our reading at verse 1. And we'll read the entire psalm together, please. Psalm 61, commencing at verse 1. And the Word of God says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Amen. And may the Lord be pleased to speak to each and every one of our hearts through the reading of his word. Uh, We'll bow in prayer before we come to consider some thoughts from the word of God tonight. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we seek thy face now, very especially for the blessing of God Upon the preaching of the word, we pray, Father, that thy word will be preached in the power of the Holy Ghost, that it will be edifying to the saints of God, that it will be a word in season to each and every heart here tonight, and that the name of God will be glorified above all else. <laughs> Heavenly Father, lead our thoughts and desires heavenward tonight. We do pray in our Saviour's holy and his precious name. Amen. Amen it would be fair to say that life is full of sorrows. Now this is not just the experience of the Christian, but it is the the universal experience of humanity. From time to time, we are all subject to human sorrows, and we are all subject to human sufferings. And there are times when in our lives and times when we are experiencing sorrow and suffering that in an earthly sense, there is no one we can turn to. There is no one we can turn to in our sorrow for comfort and for help in this world in an earthly sense, as I've said. And there are many reasons for that. There are some people who generally live life alone and therefore they have no one they can turn to. Others have plenty of people in their lives, but they are surrounded by people who are generally uncaring, who are unsympathizing, perhaps even self-centered or selfish, or can offer little consolation during times of sorrow. And then there are perhaps those who have grown old in life and their spouse has passed away. And many of their friends have passed away who would have been before a great source of comfort. And this has left them with no one to turn to during times of sorrow. And this means that often in life, during our sorrows and during our sufferings, our efforts to find comfort in this world are very much in vain. But then we look at Psalm 62 and we find God's servant David. And he has found himself Needing comfort and help from the sorrows of this world. He is overcome by his, by his circumstances and he realizes, in the midst of his sorrow, in the midst of his need, he realizes that there is a source of comfort available to him as a child of God, which is unfailing, which is unlike the comfort of the world. And of course, it goes without saying the source of that comfort is God. And therefore, He seeks God in prayer in order to find relief during these circumstances. And we see that very especially in verse 2 of the psalm. Therefore, it's with these thoughts in mind in verse 2 of Psalm 61 as our text for tonight that I want you to consider this topic with me of the prayer of an overwhelmed saint. The prayer of an overwhelmed saint. I want you to see firstly the place of this prayer Look at our text, that says there, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. Now I want you to notice the words from the end of the earth. And these words give us some insight as to the setting of the psalm. But it certainly gives us an insight as to how we should interpret the psalm. David in this psalm is seemingly far from home. And he is calling on God from a place which he interprets to be the end of the earth. Now, for the ancient Jew, Jerusalem was the center of the world because Jerusalem is where the ark of God was situated. And so David, who is the writer of the psalm, as we've established, must have felt as though he was far from Jerusalem. And this time period could be any time period when David was away from Jerusalem. Now, it wouldn't have been during David's fleeing from Saul. Because in verses six to seven of the psalm, we read that David was already king during this time. It says there, Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever and prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. And so this psalm would have been said after this time in David's life. And some commentators have suggested that the psalm was written during the time during the time of Absalom's rebellion, which forced David to flee into the Judean wilderness. And I think when we go or we turn back to Psalm 60, we have, in my opinion, the most likely setting for the psalm. If you have uh, the preface of that psalm in your Bible, it says at the end of it, And smote of Edom in the valley of salt 12,000. So before Psalm 61, in Psalm 60, David was engaged in a military campaign along the river Euphrates. And I think this setting is more akin to David feeling like he is at the end of the earth, rather than in the Judean wilderness. But friends, regardless of the setting of the Psalm, one thing we have to establish and have established is this, David feels far from home. I suppose you could say that he feels like he is in a strange place. He is out of his comfort zone. Yet David doesn't feel as though he is in a position where he can't call upon the Lord. David doesn't feel like he is too far from Jerusalem. From the center of Jewish religious activity to call upon God. David knew that no matter where he was... No matter what situation he was in, he knew that he could cry unto God in prayer. And when we consider that, I think it would be fair to say that David understood something of the nature of God. Because he was in his mind at the end of the earth. He was far from home. He was far from comforts. He felt like he had no security. He felt like he he had no stability. Yet what did he realize? He realized that God was still accessible. David knew that the God he worshipped, he knew that the God he served was a God who is beyond measure. He is a God who cannot be contained by space or time. He has no limitations. He is not confined by space. There is no place in the entirety of creation where we can hide from God because God fills all of creation. Friends, no matter where we go, no matter where we are in this life, God will be there. He will be there because he's not just limited to one place. We can never erect a barrier between us and the presence of God. Jeremiah 23 and 24, it says there, "...can any hide himself in the secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? And so the fullness of God is fully present at every point of creation." Now, it is true that at appointed times uh, by the Lord, we can get a greater sense of the Lord's presence, such as during times of revival. During these times, we are more aware in our minds and our souls that God is in the midst and that God is working. But the absence of these special times and these appointed times by God doesn't mean that He is any less present in our lives and in creation, of course. Because the fullness of God being present everywhere in His creation is a fact nonetheless. And believer in Christ, it is a truth that ought to bring us, as God's people, much comfort. At times, we forget that the Lord is very much at hand wherever we are. Christian, perhaps there are times in your life when you feel like God is far from you. Perhaps there are times in your Christian life when you feel like you are far from God. Maybe you go into your own private place, your own closet and you seek God in prayer and you just don't feel like you have a sense of God's nearness and you feel like your praying hasn't been profitable. We've all been there. Maybe there are times in your Christian experience when you open God's word and it doesn't stir you up in your heart as much as you had hoped it would. You read the Bible and you think, what have I got out of this? God is not near me. God is not present. And you feel like your reading hasn't been profitable. Believer, during times of trial, even a time of trial that you are experiencing right now in your life, maybe you feel like God is distant. You feel like God is not interested and that he is not helping you through your trial. At times you feel like David. David said in Psalm 22 and 1, Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And child of God, this is a truth that we must consider. Sometimes you need to stop relying on your own thoughts. You need to stop relying on your own feelings. And you very simply need to trust what God says in his words. Because our thoughts can be deceptive. Our feelings can be deceptive because they arise out of a heart which is deceptive. What does God say in His Word? He says, Can any hide himself in the secret places that I cannot see him? Child of God, the Lord is never far from you. And He is always at hand to come quickly to your aid. He is present everywhere. And that means that He is acting in every place according to His love, His goodness, His justice his grace, his mercy, and his holiness. That means that he can see you. He knows your circumstances. He can see your heart. He can hear your prayers. He is able to help you. And he is actively working in your life for your good and for his glory. The psalmist said in Psalm 23 and verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He knew that goodness and mercy would follow him all the days of his life. Because he knew that all the days of his life, a God who was good and a God who was merciful would always be with him. And child of God, it's the same for us. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life because God is always near us believer have the mind of david tonight determine within your own heart that from the end of the earth you will cry unto God that from the circumstances of that from circumstances of the greatest extremity you will cry unto God because he is always near and he is never absent This is the place of this prayer. But I want you to see secondly with me the passion in this prayer. The psalmist says in this verse, uh, our text, when my heart is overwhelmed. Now the sense of that word overwhelmed is to be weak or to be faint. And it comes from a root word which can mean to be sickly. And so the idea being presented uh, by this word is that David is weak. He is fainting. He feels like he cannot cope with his circumstances, and perhaps his faith is even failing him. David appears to be overcome with anxiety. Now, before I came to Bible college, I worked in a community mental health team in Lisburn. And I remember I was asked once to deliver training on the subjects of anxiety and depression to support workers who worked in a mental health setting. And when it came to anxiety, I prepared these slides and I prepared what I was going to say. But one thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to explain to the people who were listening and try and give them an insight as to how it feels or what it means to be anxious. And I thought, well, where am I going to get a good definition? And where am I going to get a good example? And I actually turned to Psalm 61 and 2 and I looked at that word uh, overwhelmed uh, about a day before the training. And I thought to myself, I wonder would Charles Spurgeon be able to give me a good picture of what it is to suffer from anxiety or to give a greater understanding of it. So I looked at the treasury of David by Charles Spurgeon on this verse and on the concept of the heart being overwhelmed. And I failed and I felt the night before that course He has given a perfect description of what anxiety is. And Spurgeon described it as drowning. The heart being overwhelmed, it's like drowning. And he presented the idea of someone being in water. And the waves crashing over them. And them gasping for air and struggling. And then he spoke about the waves of trouble washing over someone. Until they are completely submerged and almost drowning and that in their heart they feel like they are drowning and completely helpless and unable to, to help themselves or manage the situation. And that's how he described what it meant to be overwhelmed or to be anxious. And so take Spurgeon's illustration of what it is to be overwhelmed and what it is to be overcome with anxiety and apply that to where David is when he speaks of his heart being overwhelmed. He's gasping for air. He feels like he can't cope. He feels like waves are crashing over his heart. He can't cope with his circumstances. He is helpless. And this is not the first time David has felt like this. David said in Psalm 69 and 2, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. And Christian, is this something... That you tonight can resonate with? Have you ever felt like you are drowning in your affliction? Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever felt like you are unable to cope? Do you even feel like that tonight in this prayer meeting because of your circumstances? You feel overwhelmed. You feel anxious. You're not even sure how you're going to get through the next number of days. What did David do in this scenario? he said this, I will cry unto thee. That word cry, it doesn't refer to crying as in crying tears of sadness, although it may involve tears of sadness. The sense of that word is to call or even to shout because before before us, We have David drowning in his affliction, totally helpless, yet realizing that God is near and realizing that God is never too far away from him and he concludes that he will simply call upon the Lord or he will shout unto the Lord for help. And we have another example of this in Scripture, a very well known example in the account of Peter stepping out of the boat to walk on water towards Christ. It's in Matthew 14, and it's the verses 29 to 30, and it says there, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. And what does it say he did when he began to sink? It says, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And that word cried in verse 30 has the same sense of the word cry in Psalms 61 and 2. It is to call out or to shout out to the Lord. And what did David do? He very simply said, Lord, save me. And in our Psalm, David was also wise to conclude that while he was experiencing an overwhelmed heart, that he would very simply cry unto the Lord or shout unto the Lord. Peter was rescued from his situation by crying unto the Lord. And at the end of Psalm 62, in the verse 8, David says, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever. David goes from drowning. He goes from having an overwhelmed heart. He then cries upon the Lord. And what does he do now? He sings praises unto God. And what do we learn then as God's people? we learn that when we are overwhelmed and overcome with anxiety due to our circumstances, that we cry unto the Lord for help. Child of God, here tonight, drowning in affliction, God is near. God is able. We've established that. Cry unto him for help. That might even be three words, Lord, help me. But that's all it takes for the Lord to actively come and rescue his people. Exodus 22 and 27 says, And it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. Afflicted Christian, there is no guarantee that our afflictions will be brought to an immediate end. There's not even a guarantee that they will be immediately lighter, but there is a guarantee of God's presence. There is a guarantee of God's grace to endure them and to come out the other end. Cry unto the Lord tonight. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the passion in this prayer, but I want you to see finally with me the petition of this prayer. David says in our text, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, when he cries unto the Lord, this is what he petitions for, to be led to a rock that is higher than him. Now, the idea of God being a rock is common in Scripture, and it appears 20 times in the Psalms. It actually appears three times in the next psalm, uh, Psalm 62, in verses 2, 6, and 7, where God is described as David's rock. And this imagery is very fitting, and it fits in well with the life of David, because David often took refuge to the rocky wilderness when he needed to take refuge, such as when he needed refuge from Saul and from Absalom. He found refuge in the rocks of the wilderness. Now to his own people, David was their rock. He was their king. They often looked to him during times of national crisis. And the onus was on him to guide them through. As is often the case with our earthly kings and our earthly leaders. But one thing David must be commended for is this. That despite his lofty position, he never lost sight of the fact that there was one who was higher than him. There was one who was in a more lofty possession than him. There was one who was his king and his rock. David knew that there was one who could lift him from the blasting waves of his affliction and provide him with the refuge and stability that he needed during his time of overwhelming anxiety. And I think that this reference to the rock And indeed the object of David's desire is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is one who was, is higher than David. He was higher than all of the kings of the earth. He is higher than the angels in heaven. He is the one who, by virtue of his relationship to his people and his possession at God's right hand, he is one who can protect and defend his people from all of their enemies. Christ is able to refresh and to comfort you during times of affliction. Christ is a rock most stable, and He is a rock most impregnable. And, child of God, we must remember this tonight. We are children of God who have been purchased by the blood of Christ, we are in union with Him. And therefore we are the recipients of all the covenant blessings that He has purchased for us. And this entails fatherly protection from God. It entails grace which is able to navigate us through trials. And it entails the ability to run to the Lord for refuge when we are overwhelmed. Being a Christian tonight, being in Christ, It brings that knowledge into our minds that we can very simply run to God and turn to him because we have peace with him. He is our father and he loves us as a father loves his children. Now can the people who are not saved, can people who are ungodly say that? No. They are not entitled to these privileges because they are not those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Philippians 4 and 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Christian, whatever your needs are tonight, whether you are afflicted, whether you are struggling with sin, whatever else is on your mind at this very moment in time, remember this. We have a rock who is higher. We have access to one who reigns in a lofty place. We have access to one who has saved us and who pleads our cause in heaven tonight. One who pleads our cause continually before his father's throne. Therefore, your first response And your chief desire, your best option tonight is to be led to the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock that is higher than I. The hymn writer said, Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Child of God, may God's Spirit lead each and every one of us to Christ tonight. The rock who is the chief hope of our soul, not just for time, but for eternity. May God lead you to him tonight, and in him may you find much comfort, much joy, much blessing, and much grace in your time of need. God bless his word to all of our hearts tonight for his glory. Amen. Amen.